0: Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you, Gary. Welcome, everybody, to another legal edition of Talk for Two. You may recall that a few weeks ago, we welcomed Judge Patricia Demango of Hot Bench on the program. Now, we welcome Judge Michael Corriero, also from Hot Bench. If you can't tell, I just absolutely love this show. Judge Corriero, he has an awesome story. He spent his life devoted to giving juveniles who enter the criminal justice system a second chance and a fair shake. This includes creating and presiding over the Manhattan Youth Part. This is a section of the New York State Supreme Court designed to focus resources on young offenders who are prosecuted as adults. And in fact, Judge Corriero was instrumental in getting the age of criminality raised in New York State. Despite his TV fame, Corriero continues to stay active in causes for youth justice. On June 18th, my birthday, the judge will moderate a panel called COVID-19 Pandemic, an opportunity to reimagine rehabilitation for juvenile offenders, about how the legal system can use these trying times to offer young offenders a second chance. The panel will take place on June 18th, and I have linked to the hosting organization, Avenues for Justice, in the description below on TalkForTwo.com. I also asked Judge Corriero about where society fails to educate young adults on their civil responsibilities. If any of you have watched Hot Bench or any other court show, you know that a lot of the cases deal with 20-somethings in over their heads on rent or loans, and, and I think a lot of that fails, it, it, this is my digression now, but I think a lot of that fails because the responsibility falls on the high schools and the colleges to talk about when you make a commitment, you're making a rental commitment and you have to honor it. And I just don't think a lot of young people understand that in my age bracket. And, and that's rather unfortunate. Now, Judge Corriero could not be a nicer man. You could tell he loves the law and loves using it to better society. Here now to tell us how a decades old criminal court case led to TV fame, our interview with Judge Michael Corriero. Judge Michael Corriero, welcome to Talk for Two. How are you, sir?
1: I'm, I'm fine, terrific.
0: Well, great to speak to you. Well, it's so great to speak to you. Before we get into you and your career, I want to talk about uh, something because I know you work with a lot of juveniles, a lot of youth, yes. and I know that that's on the criminal side. But on Hot Bench, we see so many people who come in. Uh, with cases of rent or an unpaid car loan, because they didn't really understand. You know, they're in their 20s, early, late teens, th- the early 20s. They didn't understand what they were signing, what they were doing fiscally. They think there's no responsibility, and, and that's why they end up in front of you. What can right. we do to better get y- the youth in this country to understand their fiscal legal responsibilities as they become productive members of society?
1: Well, that's a good question, and, and, and I think everything revolves around education,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, both in terms of, of kids who are good kids and kids who are getting into trouble. And yeah. I think that the schools have a responsibility of uh, uh, alerting and exposing young people to those things, those mechanical things, if you will, mm-hmm. that they need to understand about how to live on their own when the time comes so th- th- there should be some training in uh understanding what your responsibilities are as an adult in terms of renting uh a premises or entering into a contract mm-hmm. or uh acquiring debt this this really becomes uh, a kind of uh, I remember in, in in some of the old school curriculums they had this um, e- economic uh, courses mm-hmm. that gave them a better insight into uh, how to live uh, on your own and as a responsible person in our society. So I, I think that that's imp- an important part of it in terms of their being exposed in schools to mm-hmm. this kind of uh, economic uh, uh, right. Background, yeah, and then of course I think you know parents and mm-hmm. uh, those responsible for them have 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 that obligation to to help them become better citizens and to to make sure that they they understand what their responsibilities are.
0: Of course, now why has it been important in your career to work with youths? I mean, you've won so many awards and achieved so many things for your work with juveniles. Why is that important to you?
1: Well, you know, I I think you're aware that uh, I grew up in Manhattan's mm-hmm. uh, Little Italy during yeah. the '50s. I was a teenager during the '50s, and I saw how easily it was to to uh, be drawn into a circumstance that perhaps you didn't fully embrace, mm-hmm. but because of the your lack of maturity or wanting to fit in with the group, you could. Easily make a careless choice or decision that puts you into some kind of hot water, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. But, and, and so I've I, so I've always tried to be conscious and sensitive to that in working with young people. Mm-hmm. And we can't expect young people to uh, uh, understand completely uh, the, the, the the situations that are presented to them as if they were adults. I mean, the, the idea. Of, that, that you are an adolescent, adolescence is a time when you're experimenting, when you're making decisions, and not all of them are correct, not all of them are mature. And so you should have some kind of uh, uh, opportunity to learn from your mistakes mm-hmm. and not to be forever defined by the things that, you, that, that, that uh, you've done that, that have caused uh, injury to yourself or, or to others.
0: Right. Um, you know, it, well, you uh, spearheaded an effort, were a part of a group effort to raise the criminal responsibility in New York from 16 to 18. In what cases, in what circumstances, and how did you accomplish that?
1: Well, New York uh, was for a time only one of three states in the entire nation mm-hmm. that set the age of criminal responsibility as low as 16. Yeah. New York also permitted the 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 prosecution of children as young as 13 wow. who were accused of murder and 14 for other serious crimes mm-hmm. uh automatically as adults in the adult court system mm-hmm. and this this really proved to be a very uh, um, uh draconian way of interacting with young people most of the states, the age of criminal responsibility was leveled at 18.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and it gave the courts an opportunity to treat young people under 18 in uh, a, a, a more rehabilitative setting such as the juvenile court. Right In New York, those, those juvenile court options weren't available to us. So we tried to do our best to demonstrate that there was a better way of dealing with these young young people and w- one of the things that we tried to do and I, I when i sat in the adult court and i was not a, a, a youth court judge but mm-hmm. i sat in the adult court but i tried to divide, but I, I created what came to be called the Manhattan youth court where we took responsibility and we consolidated the cases of all the 13 14 and 15 year old children who were being prosecuted as adults mm-hmm. uh, and we tried to devise a process whereby we could channel them out into alternative to incarceration programs in order to demonstrate that that was a better way of dealing with them. And we found mm-hmm. that the young people who were not incarcerated, mm-hmm. uh, who, who, whose cases permitted me to give them a second chance, if you will, by putting them in a program and monitoring their behavior, we found that those young people were less likely to reoffend than those who were being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. The incarceration rate, for example, for young people uh, who were uh, sentenced to an indeterminate sentence of imprisonment was anywhere between 60 and 80% of them were being rearrested within 36 months of their release. Yeah. And the recidivism u- rates for kids that we place in alternative to incarceration programs was considerably less. Mm -hmm. And and in terms of cost to the state and to the community, it costs approximately $160,000 a year to keep a young person in a juvenile detention facility, whereas it only costs about $8,000 a year to place them in a responsible,
0: effective alternative to incarceration program. Mm -hmm. And And I know... I'm sorry. Good. Uh, and I know that you uh, that you're going to be talking more on this subject, especially as it relates to the pandemic. That there's an opportunity now with COVID 19 for there to be even more reform of the juvenile system and the juvenile rehabilitation system. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Y- yes, the pandemic has had a direct impact
0: mm-hmm.
1: on on uh, young people who who are incarcerated and 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 those who are in danger of being incarcerated in the sense that uh, uh, one of the things that we found to be very effective in working with young people was to link them with mentors, with with individuals who would take essentially personal, personal responsibility for them, to guide them and to counsel them, to demonstrate pathways to rehabilitation for them so that they could show the court, mm-hmm. they could earn a second chance, if you will. When the when the, the the virus hit, everybody had to distance themselves. Everybody had to to stay at home. So this uh, capacity to develop these relationships couldn't take root as we normally uh, were able to to. Uh, 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 create the the, the dynamic mm-hmm. between a mentor and, and a mentee because mm-hmm. it was a it was a personal thing you, the, the 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 young person and the adult would meet regularly uh, go for coffee or or or, or help the young person with, the, with their homework but all of that uh was impacted by the pandemic which required less contact not more mm-hmm. so the programs had to devise ways of uh, maintaining this sense of connection, uh, even though it was now going to be shifted to a kind of virtual reality. And so they did they they, they stepped up to the plate, they gave all of these young people computers and 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 uh, when necessary uh, uh phones so that they could continue this, Contact on a regular and routine basis, and, mm-hmm. and now we think that we've hit upon uh, an additional way to enhance the rehabilitation paradigm, if you will, to many more young people because of the uh, electronic capacity to reach more more young people without this this kind of individual attention. It's it's no substitute for the individual attention, but. It can equally demonstrate uh, and connect to a young person's potential, and so we're, we're we're very excited about about making this kind of progress.
0: I love that, and I love that. That's what your career has been about: reaching people, <laughs> uh, getting them to understand what they, maybe they didn't understand because and I know you might feel this way, I almost look at Hot Bench as an extension of your work with you. I touched on that in the beginning, but yeah. I look at an episode of Hot Bench and obviously a person is liable for something or it's, if especially if it is obvious or it isn't. I think, who failed you that you don't understand? Right. Who failed you that you don't understand your responsibility here? So is that your aim on Hot Bench is to get people to understand what their responsibility is? Well, I, I'd like to
1: think that that's uh, that's an important part of it—to to, to mm-hmm. try to educate the litigants that come before before us on, on what the res- what are their responsibilities with respect to the relationships that that have been seemingly shattered mm-hmm. by, by the lawsuit and and who has the higher ground, if you will, but that but but not without not meant to criticize the losing litigant, if you will. I, I mm-hmm. always try to to bring the losing party, the party that that's not on the winning side of the legal argument, mm-hmm. to a point where they can grasp and understand why we're ruling in the way that we are. so that that there they come out of the situation with something also not simply the the, the plaintiff, if the plaintiff is prevailing, not because, so it's not as important that the plaintiff get remunerated uh, economically for the damage, but also that there's some way in which perhaps we can promote a healing between the litigants and bringing this, repairing this broken relationship. And and that's sometimes a, a real challenge because sometimes it's very difficult to, to explain to people uh, what we believe their respons- responsibilities are when they're so entrenched in, in their in their particular position, mm-hmm. but that's our that's our challenge. That's what we try to do. We try to bring everyone to the point of understanding the ruling, uh, and we hope that 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 even though they they may not like the ruling, they can certainly understand why we ruled in the way that we did.
0: And I think the fact that it has that depth contributed to the fact that you're nominated for an Emmy this year yes. again. Congrats. Yes. Congrats. Thank you
1: very much. Thank you very much, Matt. Do you ever think you as, know,
0: as a judge sorry. you'd you'd be nominated for an Emmy? Like, No,
1: not at all. I had no idea. Do you, and,
0: and Do you know how I came to be a judge on Hot Bench? Not at all. I know you're Judge Hollywood, well, but other than no. that,
1: oh, that's that's uh, Gary Rosen's uh, <laughs> nickname for me. But I I do enjoy Hollywood. I do enjoy the I do enjoy California very much, and, and working there. But but w- when I left the Manhattan District Attorney's office way back in in 1973, mm-hmm. I was assigned to represent a 12 year old boy who was being prosecuted in the juvenile courts for murder. Yeah. And my investigation revealed that 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 he was taking the weight for the crime for an older boy mm-hmm. who had the older boy been arrested would have been facing life imprisonment. But since he was only twelve years old, he could only be placed in a juvenile institution for no more than five years and be considered a juvenile delinquent. Right. But my investigation revealed that that he was bullied by this boy and was mm. afraid of being considered a stool pigeon or a rat in this community. He, he feels, you know, he was in fear of mm-hmm. this. But I was able to persuade him to trust me and uh, uh, to be, uh, I explained to him that I could figure out a way, I mean, if I could figure out a way of, of having him defend himself with have, without having to implicate anybody else, would he trust me? And he, he agreed. And so we we gave him a lie detector test or we what we concluded was if he could take a lie detector test without the, the, the examiner asking him uh, who did it, just whether he did it. hmm. And now I had to explain the prosecutor. Uh, how the, the the examiners should be limited in their examination. and she agreed to, to let this happen because I think she had some residual doubt about the the, the quality of the evidence against this young boy. Right. And he he eventually passed the lie detector test and the the boy that was responsible was uh, a material witness for the prosecution. And he ultimately was arrested and charged with the crime. And so the prosecutor and I, together, were able to resolve this case and prevent a miscarriage of justice. And do you know who that prosecutor was?
0: Judy Scheindlin?
1: Yeah, yes. (laughs) It was was Judge Judy. And so we've known each other others uh, since 1973 we, we i we have great i think i i have great respect for her and our, and I was so pleased that she worked with us in and and, and and preventing a miscarriage of justice in this case and that that's how I got there but I I, I never anticipated that I would be involved in a in a television judging program
0: well it's let me been a I, real challenge. when you saw her for the past 20 years before hot bench have her success what was going through your mind
1: Oh I was very happy for her because I also I yeah. also know uh Judge Jerry. Yep. He, he and I were were lawyers uh, oh, wow. together and and uh adversaries if you will uh, on okay, so, so I knew her and and I knew him and I was pleased that that she had uh managed to kind of pull together uh, all, all of the insight and wisdom that she had when she was a judge mm-hmm. in, in in the juvenile court, and, and apply it in such a, an effective way uh, uh, on television.
0: I love it, I love it, Your Honor Judge Corriero, Thank you so much. This was beyond a pleasure. I will have you back again and again and again to Matt, talk more legal I, legal issues. I really want
1: to talk to you again.
0: Judge Corriero, if you're listening to this, thank you very, very much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And that was such a funny story to end on about Judge Judy. Thank you so much. And again, the panel is COVID-19 pandemic, an opportunity to reimagine rehabilitation for juvenile offenders. That's June 18th, and it is on Avenues for Justice. The link is below. All right. Now, June 18th is my birthday. And I have a guest I'm really excited about that I was going to wait until completely next weekend to air. But I figure it's my birthday. Let's celebrate. I'll air it on June 18th. He's a very well-known voice actor, and I am so excited. So not too far in the future, I will make an announcement, and it'll be really, really exciting. And yes, there was a hint in there for that guest. But for now, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding you to visit talkfortwo.com that's t-a-l-k-f-o-r-t-w-o.com subscribe in itunes stick to radio spotify wherever you get your podcasts reach out to me directly at talkfortwocast at gmail.com t-a-l-k-f-o-r-t-w-o-c-a-s-t at gmail.com signing off i'm matt bailey reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.